feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. This is nuts. I cannot believe that a guy who was defending himself at his store, at his bodega store in New York where he worked, he's a father of three, Jose Alba, and here he is, he's being attacked by this guy, this career criminal, this violent ex-con who was out on parole for assaulting a cop. You see it on videotape. He's trying to protect himself. He pulls out a knife to finally defend himself. And you see it all on videotape. And guess what happens? The bodega employee gets sent to prison. He gets sent to Rikers. This, to me, is unbelievable. And I am so happy to hear that in the last few hours, the New York City bodega worker, Jose Alpa, was finally freed on his murder rap uh, after a judge agreed to lower what was a sky-high bail. And this, to me, just epitomizes how messed up the criminal justice system is in New York and the effect of these soft-on-crime DAs. It is outrageous. Here is this guy who was defending his store, and this guy comes in, starts attacking him. You could see it all on videotape, so it's not even a question of what happened. You can see it. And there he is trying to defend himself, fights the guy off, doesn't have a criminal record. You see that it is self-defense. And yet Alvin Bragg, the very soft-on-crime DA in New York, decides that there should be a murder charge against this hard-working bodega worker. It's like, what? Where is his focus on helping victims? Self-defense is a defense. I mean, this shouldn't be like a new epiphany to the Manhattan DA. They seem to be giving free passes to repeat offenders over and over and over again. We have so many cases that we've talked about across America. And you think about cases in New York and in L.A. and Philly, where soft-on-crime DAs have given such big passes to repeat offenders with very, very violent backgrounds. So they get a free pass, but a guy who is a hard-working guy, who is a father of three working at a bodega in New York City, tries to fend off a violent ex-con, and he gets thrown in Rikers Island, which is not exactly a holiday location. I mean, to me, this just epitomizes how bad the situation is and how these soft-on-crime DAs have just no sense, no compassion whatsoever, first off, for the victims, no compassion whatsoever for situations for hardworking New Yorkers who are out there every single day trying to make ends meet. And then in this climate where crime is just out of control and it's crazy, and there he is, trying to defend the store that he's working at and he suddenly gets attacked and he's the one who ends up in Rikers Island. 
And by the way, at the same scenario, the ex-con's girlfriend pulls out a knife from her purse and stabs the worker several times in the shoulder and hand. Now, she has not been charged with the DA's office. The ex-con was killed. Um, And again, he was just trying to defend himself at the store when this ex-con came in. But the ex-con's girlfriend, who pulls out a knife from her purse and stabs the worker multiple times in the shoulder and hand, well, that one has not been charged. Can anybody make any sense of this situation? And to me, it is unbelievable that there is a DA in the city of New York where crime is so out of control, where the situation is so out of control, where people are just working and they're worried, they're worried about crime, they're worried about attacks, and now they have somebody who goes behind the counter of a store and assaults them, and somebody tries to defend themselves, and they are the ones who are facing murder charges? This, to me, is so insane, and to me, just epitomizes this soft-on-crime DA, Alvin Bragg, Today, there are calls across the country, and especially in New York, saying that this guy should be removed. It is unbelievable. I want to hear your thoughts about this, because to me, this is just so outrageous. And it just epitomizes the just, it's like Twilight Zone approach, if you will, to how the soft on crime DAs perceive crime, how they are sympathetic to the criminal and they turn a blind eye on the victim. And that, to me, is a very dangerous place to be. What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. We're going to be talking in just a little bit with Congressman Lee Zeldin. He is running for New York governors, going against Kathy Hochul, the current governor there, And one of the first things that Congressman Lee Zeldin said was that during the debates and during all the processes leading up to this, he said basically day one, he would get rid of Alvin Bragg. So I can't wait to get his reaction to this case because this epitomizes this incredibly soft on crime DA who is just making a mockery of the criminal justice system. Crime is out of control and then you can't defend yourself. You've got a soft on crime DA who doesn't even have the insight, who actually throws a half. He wanted a half million dollar bail for this guy. He want, he said, oh, he's a flight risk. Uh, he came from Dominican Republic three decades ago. He's a father of three. He's been living in this country. He's a hardworking guy. But he throws this enormously high bail on him. Luckily, that got reduced. And then it got reduced again just a little bit ago, and he was able to finally post jail and get out of Rikers Island, all for protecting himself in Alvin Bragg's New York City. And I say it is Alvin Bragg's New York City because he has really turned it into heck and a handbasket. I mean, you look at it, it is a mess. There are just, you know, criminals who feel emboldened. They know they can get away with it. And guess what? Alvin Bragg repeatedly sends that message that he is sympathetic to the criminal. And this case, to me, just epitomizes it. And he should not be in the DA's position. 
and I think it is abominable. What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And joining us, as I just mentioned, is New York Congressman Lee Zeldin. He is the GOP gubernatorial candidate for New York, running against Kathy Hochul, the current governor. And uh, Lee Zeldin, first of all, I just want to say to you congratulations, because I know that we had the primary not that long ago in New York. And congratulations, first off, on your big win. Well, thank you, Rita. And it's great to be with you. I was just listening to your opening, and uh, it's so spot on. Uh, Jose Alba is not a criminal. He was acting in his own self-defense. The first thing that I would do as governor this upcoming January, immediately after taking the oath, is I will fire the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. It's within the constitutional authority of the governor of the state of New York that when a district attorney refuses to enforce the law, that the governor can remove that DA. Why would you have that provision in the New York State Constitution if you're not going to use it in a moment like this? And two points jumped out at me. One is, while... He is able to go free and in that he was able to leave Rikers Island this evening. He was leaving with an electronic monitor and still facing murder charges. So he's still not yet free totally in a way that we all need to, to collectively advocate for. And the second point, which I've noticed as well, is that the district attorney, as you pointed out, has been turning a blind eye towards the law-abiding citizen. In this case, it's actually worse than turning a, a blind eye. He's, he's purposefully going after the law-abiding citizen acting in self-defense and someone with a, a clean record. Uh, so I'm so happy that you're highlighting this case. Uh, it's something that you know there are, there are other people at other times where they get victimized really by the process, by the system, certainly by this district attorney, and there isn't this kind of attention, and I'm, I'm happy that you're out here talking about it tonight. Absolutely, and everybody, we're talking to New York Congressman Lee Zeldin running for New York governor against Kathy Hochul, and of course, uh, the big election in November. Congressman, you know what's stunning, too, is the girlfriend of this ex-con, who allegedly pulled out a knife from her purse and stabbed Alba three times in the shoulder and hand, she hasn't been charged. I I mean, this to me is just stunning. Stunning. There's no good reason for it. There's no excuse for it. It's that we have a district attorney who is pro-criminal and absolutely needs to be removed as quickly as possible. And the governor of the state of New York, by the way, when she was confronted, Kathy Hochul about Alvin Bragg, her response is, cut him some slack, he just got there, he's doing his job. No, we're not going to cut him some slack. Yes, he just got there, but not only is he not doing his job, he told us from day one he's not going to do his job. This isn't even up to debate. It's a policy of the DA's office not to do their job. Yeah, that is absolutely stunning. I agree with you. You're right. This is what he campaigned on. This is what he is doing. And how much slack can New York take? It was, I thought, just shocking when she made that statement, too. Um, By the way, on the contrast, and you know this all too well, I thought it was fantastic uh, that running as your lieutenant governor, 
as the nominee there with you is a former NYPD deputy inspector. Talk about how important that is and the message that that sends. Allison Esposito just retired from the NYPD after 24 years, nearly 25 years. Her father was an NYPD chief. Allison was planning on spending 40 years in the NYPD. She would have become an NYPD chief. And she had to retire not just to be our state's next lieutenant governor. She had to retire to be our candidate to be our state's next lieutenant governor. She is all in, and she's fantastic. She understands law enforcement. She understands how to protect law-abiding citizens. She knows who is a criminal and who is a law-abiding citizen, and certainly completely on the same page with me, with you, in, in understanding that Alvin Bragg needs to go and he's not doing his job. Kathy Hochul comes in as governor after Andrew Cuomo resigns, and for her, her first big decision, she has to pick a lieutenant governor. And she picks somebody who is spending his time running from the law. I, I had to make a, a big decision in asking someone to be my running mate and our next lieutenant governor. I decided yep. to ask someone who has made a career of enforcing the law. The contrast couldn't possibly be clear from one issue to the next between Kathy Hochul and I. Yeah, absolutely. Well, bravo to you, Congressman Lee Zeldin. First of all, so thrilled for you and your big win. And you got to come back on the show very, very soon. It is so great to have you here, and I wish you so much luck. Thank you so much, Congressman. You got it. Thank you, Rita. Have a great night. You too. Very, very much. Congressman Lee Zeldin, talk about a contrast um, in terms of policies and what you just heard him say, that on day one he would fire D.A. Alvin Bragg. The governor has the authority. You can't do a recall in New York like places like California can do. Remember, they just recalled Chesu Boudin in San Francisco, and that was successful. That was mostly Democratic voters who actually got that recall vote and booted that guy. That's soft on crime D.A. there. And then now in L.A., they have over 700,000 signatures, and it's going to be hopefully up for a vote if all those signatures or most of them or at least enough qualify for it to be on the ballot. Then it will probably be a vote potentially as early as November maybe to maybe boot Gascon, who is another huge Soros-funded DA. And then you've got Soros-funded Alvin Bragg. Are you looking at the connection here? In New York City. And as a result of that, this is the kind of justice that you get. You get him throwing people in Rikers Island who were defending themselves. So, uh, boy, what a contrast uh, the policies are that you just heard from Congressman Lee Zeldin, who also has, as lieutenant governor, as the nominee with him, uh, inspector from the NYPD, a female inspector who just recently retired. And crime is a huge, huge issue in New York and, of course, across the country. When we come back, I want to take your calls. What is your reaction to the fact that Alvin Bragg wanted to throw this guy in Rikers with a $500,000 bail? It got reduced. The guy finally got out tonight with the courtesy of his son and some other workers. But this is just an outrageous case and a woman who was apparently stabbing the guy, the girlfriend of this ex-con who Alba had to defend himself from. You've seen the video, that bodega footage. When you see it, she's out. 
she hasn't been charged. And it looks like Alvin Bragg is sympathizing with this ex-con parolee who was killed and trying to throw the book at a good, hard-working New Yorker who's trying to defend himself. This, to me, epitomizes the insanity of Alvin Bragg and soft-on-crime DAs. I want to hear your thoughts when we come back. one 800 848 The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, I'm Only Human, I think, is probably going to be the theme song for Alvin Bragg, but it should be I'm Embarrassed to Be a Prosecutor. It sounds more like a defense attorney. I can't believe soft on crime DA Alvin Bragg, it's a case everybody around the country is talking about, is throwing the book at this bodega worker who was defending himself from an ex-con with a long rap sheet who was trying to assault him. And because he fights back and stabs the guy and the guy dies, he's now charged with murder and thrown in Rikers prison. He fortunately just got out a few hours ago after a couple different judges saw the case and reduced the bail. But Alvin Bragg is throwing the book at the guy who was defending himself. We have a city of such lawlessness, escalating crime, so many problems in New York City. And bodega workers, what's the message? You can't defend yourself if an ex-con is trying to attack you? I mean, what is he supposed to have, you know, uh, be on a stretcher before he can fight back. Are you kidding me? This, to me, is outrageous. Let's go to Danny on line one. Danny, your thoughts about this case. To me, this is a shameful example of justice with this D.A. Alvin Bragg. He's got to go. This guy is destroying New York, just like so many other soft-on-crime D.A.s are doing across this country. When I saw 139th Street and Broadway, I went back to my files because I recognized the address, and I was a patrol supervisor in that precinct many years ago. I was actually standing inside that deli when a, uh, I guess, a drug dealer got assassinated by another drug dealer. So that's not the first time there's been a little uh, gunplay or a homicide in that location. It's a very violent neighborhood. It used to be worse back in the uh, 90s, of course. But uh, when I watched the video and I saw that gentleman behind his own counter, and the guy comes around, he's got him positioned in the corner, and he, and he slams him to the ground, and he's sitting there helpless defending him you know just now he decides now the guy goes off camera so we can't really see what happens but the thing is in a case like this there's no need to arrest them now anytime there's a murder anytime someone's dead the police have to file a report and yes the person who did the murder is going to be listed as the perpetrator and then the investigation could reveal that it was justified or you send all the facts to the district attorney and they present it to a grand jury the grand jury can then say no this man didn't do anything wrong but instead, out this 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 maniac of district attorney goes and charges him with the highest degree possible within 24 hours of the incident, without a, an investigation being completely conducted. And now the man has. Once you're arrested for a first degree murder charge, you have to get a lawyer. Your whole life. I'm sure there'll be GoFundMe pages to help this gentleman out because anyone could see that he was quite clearly being threatened and. We don't know what was going to happen next, and he decided to defend himself, and everybody who's ever been in that situation would be in his corner and not indict him. So, I mean, I, I, 
I love Lee Zeldin. Um, I voted from the primary. He's my guy. I can't help but think that somewhere in Albany right now, our useless governor is looking at this case, shaking her head, thinking, you got to be kidding me, because you just handed this man a gift, Lee Zeldin, that you can have all the examples you want to cite, and people aren't paying attention. But in this case, it is so clear, and the whole world saw it, the video, that this gentleman was defending himself, and this is this is the soft liberal DA's personified, and here it is on camera, that this poor yeah. gentleman was arrested. And now Lee Zeldin, for every day for the next three months, is going to hammer her over the head rightly because she can't fire this guy because she owes it to these liberals. And he's not just liberals, left-wing radicals. To, well, that and you know what, Danny? And Danny, thank you very much for the call because you bring up so – you, thank you. Your call was so spot on with your background, and you're right. This, to me – is so abominable. It is a classic case, and it epitomizes the disaster that is Alvin Bragg. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a very sad story coming out of Floyd County, Kentucky, a community that is mourning after a fatal shooting that left three law enforcement officers dead last week, it was called the deadliest law enforcement death event in Kentucky since 1923 from local authorities. Lance Stortz, 49 years old, of Allen, Kentucky, allegedly opened fire with a high-powered rifle on Floyd County Sheriff's deputies attempting to serve an emergency protective order. County officials say that the ambush resulted in the death of three brave officers and a sheriff's canine unit. Floyd County Deputy William Petrie, also Prestonburg Police Department Captain Ralph Frazier, Prestonburg Police Officer Patrolman Jacob Chaffins, and also Floyd County canine named Drago. Emergency Medical Director and the Management Director Joe Reynolds and another Sheriff's Deputy were also shot. They are still receiving treatment. And also a state trooper was also shot. Uh, Wow, what a terrible, terrible incident. And it is just such a powerful reminder on how dangerous and how difficult the job is for law enforcement across this country. And again, they were attempting to serve an emergency protective order and we're basically ambushed with a guy with a high-powered rifle. Our thoughts and prayers are with them and their families tonight. Well, we were talking about this case, and I want to hear your thoughts because, to me, I am outraged that Alvin Bragg, the soft-on-crime DA in New York, very similar to the soft-on-crime DAs across this country, but this case is a real shocker. A New York City bodega worker And everybody across the country has been showing the videotape. You see him there behind his counter. And suddenly this violent ex-con, by the way, a guy who was out on parole for assaulting a cop. Uh, So an ex-con comes behind the counter and starts basically attacking him. He then defends himself and he pulls out a knife and stabs the guy. The guy is dead And also, by the way, the girlfriend of the ex-con also allegedly pulls out a knife as well and stabs the bodega worker several times. You could see that he had been stabbed. And she's out, but the bodega worker 
thanks to soft-on-crime DA Alvin Bragg, is taken to Rikers Island and is going to be facing murder charges. This is stunning. He finally did get released tonight after all this attention and after the videotape's been playing, but he is going to be facing murder charges, and this is after he was defending himself in crime-ridden New York. First of all, these criminals just feel so emboldened. There are so many repeat offenders over and over again that are let out thanks to these soft-on-crime DAs. And then you can't even defend yourself? Take a listen. This is Judge Janine Pirro talking about this case. This case is a microcosm of what's going on in America today. The victim is seen as someone who should be ignored, and the criminal is the one who's being protected. In this situation, what you have is a guy who doesn't have a criminal record, who's worked his whole life, who goes to work at noontime and then comes home at like 3 in the morning or some crazy time, and you've got a dirtbag career criminal, two prison stints, eight at least felony arrests, okay? He jumps over the counter, fighting words, throws the bodega owner into a chair, pushes him, curses at him, yells at a customer, then pulls him out of the chair in the, while he's cursing at him, and then the bodega owner in self-defense takes a knife out, stabs him, kills him. That's called justification. In New York State, if you were faced with deadly physical force and you were reasonable in your belief that you were going to be harmed based upon these circumstances, then you have the right to defend yourself. Yeah, I I mean, this to me is a pretty open and cut case, open and dry case. You should be able to look at it and go, yeah, he's defending himself. It's on videotape. And yet Alvin Bragg throws this guy in Rikers and the girlfriend has not even been charged yet, who was apparently stabbing the bodega owner, assaulting him as well. And he wasn't supposed to defend himself. This is outrageous. This is Brian Claypool, a defense attorney, talking about it earlier today, explaining what self-defense is and why you are allowed to proportionately respond to defend yourself. I mean, did you see that that response the D.A. Bragg's office gave? Hey, we're continuing to look at the evidence. Really? Well, why did you arrest Alba? Why don't you do your investigation first? Look at the video. Why, why is he under arrest? This hasn't even been presented to a grand jury yet. That's happening on Saturday. Why is he under arrest? This is flat out self-defense. I just looked it up on my phone. It's called justification in New York, where if you feel like your life is imminently a threat, you can use force to protect yourself. Here, it's deadly force. What's he supposed to do? Sit there and wait for this guy to pull a weapon on him? The girlfriend's already pulled out a gun. It's absolutely pathetic. It's these left-wing radical DAs like Bragg in, in, in your city, Gascon in our city. They just removed a DA in San Francisco because of these radical progressive policies. And here's a little bit more of Brian Claypool talking about just soft on crime DAs like Alvin Bragg and how they are destroying the fabric of great cities across this country. Because of spineless DAs like Bragg in Manhattan, people are at risk. You're living in a dangerous city now. Why? Because there are no consequences for criminal actions. And that gives a hall pass to criminals like this to walk into a store, pull out knives, and, 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 then, and then the DA points the finger at the innocent party. We live in a dangerous society because of these radical DAs. They need to be kicked out of office.
Yeah, and they can't be kicked out soon enough, in my opinion. What are your thoughts, everybody? one 800 848 Let's go to Mark on line two from New Jersey. Mark, your thoughts about this? Yes, hi, Rita. Thank you. Good to talk to you again. I think um, it starts with a new narrative, just like the way uh, John Katsimatidis and, and Lydia uh, refused to call progressives uh, progressive. They call them regressives. Yeah, uh, no, I love that, by the way, when they say that. <laughs> exactly. Like like you and, and the other people who have a, a voice, it's not even right to even say at this point uh, soft on crime because they're they're part of the crime. They're they're uh, high priced attorneys in two thousand dollar suits by George Soros, like Jimmy from Brooklyn says. They they are this is a master plan. They want everyone to be in fear. And now this particular case, they're literally showing the public, look, you can't even defend yourself. And like that clip you just played, saying what defense is. So this guy is uh, this guy is uh, as an attorney, he is a criminal. And we can't prosecute him for it. So I wish you and the others would start calling them something different, like not soft on crime. They're, they're non on, they're, 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 they are not doing anything on crime. There are no consequences. There's got to be another word for it. But it's, it's like uh, the, the wordings of saying soft on crime, it would be great if they were just soft on crime. They're not doing anything on this crime. They're not doing anything. No, you're right. And and you know what? You know, the thing that's interesting, too, Mark, is, I mean, they're favoring the criminal. I mean, what was stunning and, and what Brian Claypool just said, which I thought was really interesting, is that people are at risk in major cities like New York, not because necessarily just of the attackers. It's bad enough with all the random crime that's happening all over so many big cities like New York. But he's saying... Because of these DAs, because just like you said, that they are a bigger threat in many ways to democracy, because you obviously don't want to be the victim of a crime. But if you're the victim of the crime, you're not even going to have the backing of the city. I mean, you've got the the top uh, prosecutor who's supposed to be a prosecutor sounding more like the defense attorney for the ex-con. I, I mean, I never thought I would live in a time where the prosecutor is is the is the you know the person who is sympathizing with the attacker with the blatant attacker over and over and over again um and this case just epitomizes it great points mark thank you very much let's go to jeff on line five jeff your thoughts about this hey jeff are you there Let's go to Ingrid on line six. Ingrid, go ahead. Yes, um, Anita. I, my question is, where is the owner of that bodega where, or the, the grocery store? Where, well, and um, actually, by the way, the owner, I think, is the son. The son, Jeffrey, is the owner of that corner store. His son, the son of, uh, of Alba. So, um, so, and obviously he's very supportive. He helped raise money finally for them to get the bail. And he has been also working with bodega owners with groups um, because obviously bodega owners across the city now are outraged because it could have happened to them and they know it too. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting case because it's sort of a family owned business. Well, they have to create like a net network of of safety uh, for this kind of thing. 
So it never happens again. But this is a precedent-setting case. I think um, this will uh, this will reckon through the courts, and it will never go away. Um, so I'm. I think it will go a good way, and and uh, it's a turning point. Yeah, and, I uh, agree. And, yep, I um, agree. And by the way, I think it's also a big wake-up call too, uh, to uh, the fact that the community is so outraged because it is just so disproportionate on what should be happening. It's it's almost like the world is turned upside down, uh, that somebody who is supposed to be pushing for law and justice is giving a free pass uh, basically to the attackers and saying, you know, we're going to throw the book at law-abiding citizens. I mean, it's almost like it's like a surreal movie, and I never thought – Um, that New York would be that way. And sadly, it is under this DA, Alvin Bragg. Thank you so much. Let's go to Pete. Uh, Line two, Pete, your thoughts about this case. Hi, Rita. I heard Curtis saying today that they're giving this guy a murder one. Murder one is, from my knowledge of it, is uh, premeditated. How did he expect this guy to come into the store and, uh, you know, and threaten him like that? You know, he's protecting his store. Like yeah, although although I'm seeing in some places that it's a second degree, I, it is it does look like it's going to be a murder charge, but that um, that there's word that it could be a second degree murder case, which is still a big you know it's still a big that's a lot of time if indeed he were to be convicted. Yeah, that's horrible. I think the judge uh, was a little bit good because at least he reduced the bail down to, I think, $5,000 to get him out. they got to get him out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It he turned out to be a 50 and then you have up. to put up X amount. Can you believe, though, Pete, that at first Alvin Bragg apparently wanted to make it half a million dollars? Ridiculous. Who could come up with that kind of money for bail like that, especially a store owner guy that works 14 hours a day? Uh, this, this is impossible. This is getting sicker and sicker. It's getting me afraid to think that I can't defend myself because what's going to happen? I'm going to go to jail? This, this is crazy. Totally crazy. These people are lunatics. So, it is. It that, is. And that's why that's why law-abiding citizens need to say enough. And I'm glad that there was such an outcry in this particular case. And uh, it's just shocking to me that Alvin Bragg still has a job. And the reason he does is the governor has not let him go. He's not wanting to go anywhere. He can't get recalled. The only reason he is still there is because Governor Kathy Hochul has not fired him yet and doesn't seem to be indicating that she will. And that, to me, is outrageous. What do you think of that, Pete? Well, we better get out there and vote and get her out of there because this is crazy. I mean, totally ludicrous. I mean, you can't even defend yourself. You can't have a business. You know, you're going to drive people out of business. You're going to see all these little bodegas that people depend on are going to be closed. They're going to shut their doors. That's what's going to happen. And you can't blame them. Right. You can't. Absolutely. Pete, thank you very much for the call. Always love your calls, my friend. Thanks so much. Let's go to Frank on line one. Frank, your thoughts about this? How you doing? Okay, you got to bear with me on this one. I saw that video 10 times. I don't think Mr. Alba has a case. From what I've seen, he doesn't have a case. What, what do you mean by that? Right what, how, wait, are you looking at the same video that the rest of the world same, is looking at, yeah, Frank? Same video. 
same video. Let me tell you, like, you watch the video. Okay, so, so the ex-con comes into the store. He's angry. He pushes Mr. Alba against the wall into the chair. Now, now the ex-con is agitated. He's cursing. He's moving his arms. He has no weapon. He has no gun, no knife, no, no baseball bat, nothing. Now, Mr. Alba is just sitting there. Just sitting there, and at that moment, he could have told them, hey, well, why don't you guys take the potato chips and just leave and never come back? But no, when the ex-con had turned his back, that's when Mr. Alba goes for the knife. He gets the knife, and then he stabs Mr. Simon in the neck, and then later on, and then he stands over the body with the blood on the knife. Okay, so two things, Frank. Mr. Alba says, I don't want any trouble. And the guy keeps pushing him and then shoves him down into the chair and is getting in his face. Just because he doesn't have a weapon in his hand, the girlfriend had a knife. The girlfriend apparently brought out the knife and stabbed Mr. Alba. You see that he stabbed, too. He was stabbed multiple times, too. So he stabbed, I think it's a shoulder in the hand. And they've also, and you see her kind of like pushing and trying to lunge at him and do all that. You don't even, even if you don't have a weapon, if someone gets behind your counter at a store and you tell him to please leave, I don't want any trouble, then he gets in your face again and he pushes you down again. And then he's right there and will not let you leave. That, just because he doesn't have a, a, a gun or a knife in his hand, she had a weapon in her hand. She's the one who apparently told the boyfriend to come back and go after this guy. And then he's also a big guy. I mean, you look at him, he, he's clearly a, got a violent past. And who knows what he was saying to him. But even from the actions, he's cornering him in and pushing him. And he's going behind the counter. He's already entered his space. He's already confronted him and put him in that corner. And just because he doesn't have a gun or a knife... A hand can kill somebody. A hand can strangle somebody or beat his. And this is an older guy, too. I mean, you look at him. This is not like, you know, it's not like some, uh, you know, 400-pound or 300-pound, uh, you know, a football player or whatever. You know, this is an older guy who is pushing in the chair and shouting at him, you know. And who and who knows if he was saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, you know. Go ahead, can Frank. Can talk now? Yep, go can ahead. Oh, finally. Okay, no, the New York Post never reported anything about the woman having having a weapon. And even if she did, he didn't kill her. He killed the guy who did not have a weapon on him. All the guy was doing was really just yelling and screaming at and being menacing. And then and then then the old man he went to get a knife and then he stabbed the guy in the neck. I don't know. I think the grand jury's gonna have to look at this and really look at it. I looked at this thing ten times and I I don't think Alba has a case. Sorry. Well, I, I think you're in the minority, and I think you're absolutely wrong. I looked at it probably about 20 times, um, but I appreciate your thoughts. Uh, but I don't see that that way whatsoever. And um, it sounds to me like, you, you, you know, you like Alvin Bragg, and we clearly do not. Um, 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
And you were listening to the Rita Cosby Show. I think I got a call from probably the only person in New York who thinks that the bodega owner had no right to defend himself and attack this guy. Uh, I totally disagree, as you just heard, because I looked at that video over and over again. You see the guy, first of all, goes behind the the counter. He's already, like, locked him in. He's in a space where he's not supposed to be. He's extremely aggressive. He's pushing the guy, he's shoving him, and the guy then attacked him to get him out of his way because he could sense that the guy was going to continue blocking him and pushing him, and who knows what he was going to do next. So I totally agree with, uh, you know, disagree with the last caller, and a lot of other people do too, by the way, because even Harold Ford, former Democratic Congressman Harold Ford, had this to say earlier today before the guy was let out. He said that this guy had a right to defend himself. Take a listen. That guy should be let out of jail. Uh, The mayor should say to Alvin Bragg, this is wrong. I don't know what choice, looking at this video, that this gentleman had. Uh, I would have done the same thing, and I think any red-blooded American, any father, any uncle, any grandfather would have done the same thing as well. It's unfortunate it had to come to this conclusion, but that gentleman uh, being oh. pushed right there, he had nothing to do with instigating this situation. It all came upon him, and he responded like I think anybody else would have. Yeah, but not our last caller doesn't agree with him, but guess who does agree with Harold Ford and me? Mayor Eric Adams. Take a listen to what he said, because he visited the bodega earlier today. What I saw in the video was a a New Yorker that was doing his job, and that uh, disruption of the job happened because someone was aggressive. He was just doing his job. That's Mayor Eric Adams. Let's go to your callers, everybody. Let's go to your calls. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jimmy. In Brooklyn, Line 8, Jimmy, your thoughts about this bodega guy? I say he was just defending himself. I have to compose myself a little bit after that last caller. Look, I I could understand difference of opinion. I like vanilla, you like chocolate. I'm a Met fan, you're a Yankee fan, so people could have different opinion. How could your last caller think that that poor little old guy who was being manhandled by a by a ex-convict and a violent guy? How could he think that guy didn't have a right to defend himself? Your primary right is your right to stay alive. There's no law that could take that away from you. If the po- I said this before on your show. If the police can't defend you, if the firemen can't put out the fires, you have a right, and I say even a duty, to defend yourself, to protect your family, your city, your country, whatever. What I think these little bodegas and all these small businesses have to do, they have to pool their money, sort of like an insurance fund, work it out, pool their money to have a defense fund for anybody who gets in trouble for defending themselves, because that's the only way. The criminal should be fearing us. You know, when Little Italy, years ago, when Little Italy was, was full of Italians, there was very little street mugging in that neighborhood. Well, they had, they had, they had a number of other people who were protecting them then, uh, as we know from history, Jimmy. Um, but your point is a good one, that they need to protect themselves because sadly this DA is not protecting them. We're going to continue with your calls everyone. 
Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. are talking tonight about the career criminal who was killed by a New York City bodega worker, Jose Alba, who was defending himself. And instead of just going through that obviously turbulent, horrific ordeal, the soft on crime DA, or as some of you have said, the not even soft, they like not even defending victims DA, Alvin Bragg in New York throws the book at the bodega worker. He did just get out a few hours ago because they lowered his bail. It was that first set by Alvin Bragg at a disgusting, horrible amount. And yet uh, it was reduced by a judge. And we've seen the video. We've seen the video. And you could see it that he is defending himself. And yet this DA in New York City threw the book at the bodega worker This is outrageous. We're going to continue your calls on that because to me it is stunning and it epitomizes the soft on crime DA Alvin Bragg. Also, later on in the hour, we're going to talk also about the Highland Park shooter, this Robert Cremo III, because more and more disturbing details are coming out about him More and more evidence is showing just how twisted and how crazy he was. And the writing was on the wall with this guy. There were so many red flags. There were so many issues. There were so many problems. And we're going to talk about why you think that it seems like tonight his parents are in one big place of denial, especially his father. It's like, oh, I don't regret sponsoring a gun application for my crazy son. Oh, those threats about him saying he wanted to kill the family, oh, they were just taken out of context. And then if you look at the guy's social media postings, this guy was clearly nuts, the son. And they're dark, and they're violent, and they're horrible, and they were out there for the world to see. And we're going to talk about that and the repercussions and the importance of parents speaking up and other people when they see how crazy and violent people are. This guy was a big old neon sign, and he is the one who now, according to police, say he confessed also to the shooting and was planning another one. And we're going to talk about that later on here on the Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, we are talking about this case of the New York City bodega worker. And Harris Faulkner on Fox News described the scenario in New York City this way because she said this case epitomizes just how upside down crime and crime fighting is in New York, where basically the repeat offenders have free reign. And this DA 
is letting it happen. We're at war. It's, it's crime victims versus the criminals. And the, it, it would seem that these liberal district attorneys have chosen their side. Hmm. And if they haven't chosen a side, then they're incompetent to let us know what they're going to do to change it. But they're not going to change it. Yeah, they are not going to change it. He is set in his ways. He's determined. And it's like, what do you mean you're questioning my interpretation of this law? What do you mean? I, I mean, it is unbelievable. They're living on another planet. They are living on another planet. And not only are they going after the wrong people, they are also giving such a free pass to repeat offenders that often have like a record book. You look at it, it's like a mile long, and you're like, how are these people out on the street? Well, somehow the judges had sympathy on them, and yet when it's a hardworking bodega worker and you see it on the videotape, well, no, you can't give that guy a break. This is nuts. Here's a little bit more of Harris Faulkner on Fox Today talking about this. I mean, look, the mayor's own top aide was just mugged in the city, <laughs> okay, yeah. just a couple days ago. And the aide tells the guys who were mugging him, you shouldn't be doing this. I work for the mayor. First of all, keep your mouth shut. That could make you a further target. That's not going to help your cause. These guys know they can get away with anything with anybody. And when you send that message, it then becomes contagious. So let's pray that it's not contagious at the bench level with a judge. Let's pray that when it gets into a courtroom that justice remains blind and isn't getting a head spun by George Soros's money the way that the liberal DAs are. Let's pray that that happens. Because if it gets contagious at that level, it won't just be a war. It'll be the situation where you may as well put your weapons down because the criminals are going to win every one. Isn't that a scary, scary thought? And I still, obviously, we got to fight for justice. We got to put in law enforcement officials and especially prosecutors who really are prosecutors, not just, you know, posing as defense attorneys like Alvin Bragg is. And the fact that he has not been given the boot yet is astounding to me. Who in their right mind would keep this guy on the job at a time where crime is skyrocketing across New York City, where people don't feel safe? There are so many drugs. There's so many issues. There's so many crazy people out there. And you're not going to throw the book at repeat offenders. This is the way Kaylee McEnany, a former Trump press secretary, now also host on Fox News, she described it in relation to a movie we all know. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. What kind of sick, twisted place are we sitting in here in the middle of New York City where this man uh, who was defending himself is put in jail? Yeah, I mean, what kind of an upside-down society are we living in? I mean, to me, this is just, it is, it's insane. It is sheer insanity. And the fact that this DA doesn't seem to get it and hasn't even thrown the book at the girlfriend of the ex-con who was attacking the guy because she apparently had a knife and was stabbing the bodega owner. But she's out, and the bodega owner who's defending himself gets thrown in Rikers for a few days and finally just gets out because finally one judge with some common sense said, uh, maybe this guy shouldn't be behind bars. And now he's going to have to fight this case courtesy of Manhattan's DA, Alvin Bragg. This to me is shameful. This is a poster case for why we cannot have DAs like that in this country today. It is shocking. Let's go to Zeb 
um, on line five. Zev, your thoughts about this case? Hey, Rita, how are you? I'm good. What's your reaction? So, first of all, I want to say as a general rule of life, the minute you attack somebody, you forfeit your right to life. Doesn't mean doesn't mean you deserve to die, but you forfeit your right to life. So, I, I, I guess good riddance that this uh, that this guy um, was killed. Now, my the real reason I called is that I have a feeling that this DA, um, Alvin Bragg, is a piece of garbage. He's trying to make an example of this guy for future um, New Yorkers who now now with the with the Supreme Court decision on the on the uh, on the gun laws, if people start carrying and they, they you know they try defending themselves against attacks, then he's he's trying to send an example of what what's going to happen to them. Oh, that's an interesting point. So maybe there's you know some bizarre method to his madness, which sure is madness. Um, although he defended himself with a knife because that's all he had. He grabbed a knife and defended himself. It wasn't a gun. But you think just even the message is sort of part and parcel of that. And how sad is that? You know, at a time right now, you look at this guy. He's an older guy working in the store, long hours. The guy comes behind the counter and blocks him in and then throws him down on the chair. I mean, you could tell he's in his face. And this guy, again, uh, was out on parole for assaulting a police officer. This is not like Mary Poppins is coming to your store. And... I agree with you that once somebody gets in your face, you also just don't know when you've got somebody like that who clearly has a violent past um, and clearly was violent with this guy. You don't know what he's going to do. What, what is what is the store owner supposed to do? Wait until what the guy has, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, taken out a gun or stabbed him, you know, nearly to death until he can say, well, maybe now's the appropriate time for me to defend myself. I mean, under under this standard, at what point can he defend himself based on Alvin Bragg's theory? What do you think, Zeb? I think, I, well, based on, well, I, I think he, he can defend himself the, the minute that he feels like he's being attacked. So the second somebody comes behind the counter threatening him, then he can defend himself no matter what. I agree. It's I agree. But what I'm asking you is, and what I'm asking you is, get inside Alvin Bragg's twisted head on justice. I mean... Based on his standard, maybe nobody has any reason to ever defend themselves. I mean, boy, is that a sad place to be. According to Alvin Bragg, you don't have a right to life. So that based on what he's doing here, you, you, have, you have to let yourself, you know, get attacked. And you have to just sit there and let it happen. Because if, if you defend yourself, then you're just going to get thrown in jail for murder. Yeah, it is, What a scary, scary, sad testament. Zeb, thank you very much. Let's go to BJ, line six. BJ, your thoughts about this case. I agree with Zev. I mean, I think somebody gets in your face. You're also an older guy. The guy goes behind the counter. They have the woman who's screaming, and she's got a knife. I mean, all these things. That is a scary place to be. And then justice doesn't back them up what's supposed to be justice. No, thanks, Rita, for taking the call. You know, this is what restorative justice looks like. This is what defunding the police looks like. This is what uh, uh, leftist DAs look like, and this is what leftist governors uh, look like. Um, they pit hardworking people like this gentleman against society, and they basically have served notice on them, as Bob Grant would used to say, that you are on your own. We live in a dystopian liberal nightmare now okay and that's just the basic that's the fact i'm not embellished no brag no fact so it's up to the people folks it's up to you is this the way you want to live or do you want to vote for somebody in november that'll hopefully change this that'll hopefully fire 
leftist DAs that let this type of nightmare go on for hardworking people. I'm on the side of the bodega owner, and I, I, I wish uh, it's a horrible thing to put people like this at each other's throats. And uh, the man barely makes out a subsistence living, and he can't even hold on to the little that he has without someone coming over and, 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 and snatching it from him and threatening his life. It's disgusting. It is. It is It is so disgusting. And the fact that it is not abundantly clear and the fact he doesn't say we stand by law-abiding citizens. I mean, that's the message that the DA should have done. Any DA with any sort of self-respect or any sense of justice would have come out and said, making an example on the other end and saying this man was defending himself. New Yorkers have a right to defend themselves. You know, thugs can't go into stores and jump behind counters and threaten people and push people um, and do it without, you know, without uh, any repercussions. So to me, all of this could have been a moment where a real DA would have come out and defended him and said, we have we can't live in a city like this. We have to be able to defend ourselves and law abiding people need to be respected and appreciated. And just like you said, here he is, this hardworking guy. He's been in this country for, it's like three decades, from the Dominican Republic. Uh, It's his son's store. They're trying to make a living. And now this judge, this, you know, this prosecutor, I call him, I'm laughing when I say prosecutor because he really is, I guess, a defense attorney for criminals versus a prosecutor, is going after this guy. I mean, to me, uh, this is shameful and it is shocking. And to me, it epitomizes why we need to vote for people who are law and order. Bottom line, law and order. BJ, thank you very much for the call. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. You are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And coming up in a few minutes, we are going to talk about the Highland Park shooter because the more we learn about this guy and how blatantly disturbed he was, how obsessed he was with uh, sex dolls and these videos, and he was in these dark chat rooms talking about murder and violence. Uh, Also, do you think that maybe there should be some charges that should arise maybe against the father. The father of that guy basically says, oh, you know, I don't think there's anything I did wrong. I did sponsor him for getting a gun application after the police were at his house twice. Um, but he basically is minimizing everything. He was the sponsor. He vouched for the son. Why would you ever give a son with any sort of mental history access to guns? Why would you sign off? on an identification card to give your son a gun. It is shocking to me. And I want to get your thoughts on all of that. We're going to talk about that after the break. Meantime, we are talking right now about the bodega worker who was assaulted by this ex-con, and he defended himself. You see it on the videotape. And then Alvin Bragg throws the book at the bodega worker. He did get out a few hours ago. The bail did get lowered. No thanks to Alvin Bragg. Um, And things were so abundantly clear what happened. 
that Mayor Eric Adams visited the bodega earlier today, and this is what he said. It's, it's, it's time for New Yorkers and Americans to start standing up for people who follow the law, and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, it is time. He said this was a guy who was just doing his job. He defended the bodega worker. But you have to wonder, why isn't he not putting any pressure on Alvin Bragg? He claims, look, it's an independent guy. He was elected separately. That is true. But you can certainly say, Alvin Bragg, what the heck are you doing to New York City, especially if you're the mayor? Come on. Well, here is Todd Pyro, one of the hosts on Fox News, describing basically the mentality of DAs like Alvin Bragg. We see not just from Alvin Bragg, but from liberal DAs across the country, this notion that self-defense is not something that the people should do. You shouldn't have guns. You shouldn't defend yourself. All your protection should be in the hands of the state. This is what the liberal elite want. They want to be in charge, and it is sickening. Yeah, it is sickening. I agree. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan on line four. Stan, your thoughts about this? Hey, Stan. Stan, call us back. I hear you there in the background. Give us a call back. Let's go to George on line five. Go ahead, George. Hi, Rita. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Go ahead, George. What do you think? I'm sorry. We need to do what the Democrats do best. We have to change the language. He is not soft on crime. He is pro-criminal. If he was soft on crime, the guy who defended himself would be free, too. You, so you know what? You know what? That, that is a, that's a great point. You're right. He is a pro-criminal DA. And how sad is that? Because his job is to actually be the prosecutor. I mean, like it, it's like the roles have been reversed, George. And also the governor has the ability to remove him. So where is Hochul on this? Well, so far we're hearing crickets. And in fact, when they were asked earlier, you know, when they were talking about specifically not this case, but just other cases in the past months ago, she said, quote, I'm going to give Alvin Bragg some slack. So let's see if she continues to give him slack, if she continues to give him slack, and the fact that she's allowed it to go this far, I mean, to me, I'm not surprised, because the way he has acted, I mean, it's shocking, and it's obviously completely wrong, but this is consistent with the way that this guy has behaved. I'm talking about Alvin Bragg, and the way he has uh, not defended victims and not been victims' advocates. Uh, So to me, I'm not surprised, sadly, which is really Really, really a bad place to be. And that's a bad place in New York, too, if you're trying to keep the place safe. Uh, That is horrible, horrible, horrible. Let's go to Robert in Philly. Go ahead, Robert. Line 7, your thoughts. Always good to talk to you, Rita. I'm sorry about that beeping. It will survive soon. But I just wanted to say the guy who called about seeing the video, the convict never turned his back on Mr. Albo, um, he snatched him up by the collar and was forcing him out of camera range when the guy grabbed a knife and whirled around and stabbed him in the front. I wish people would realize what they're saying before they call in. You know what I mean? And I oh, also yeah. And, and say, by the way, the, the guy also, Robert, didn't the guy who called in didn't get that that was all happening behind the counter and he had already thrown him down and blocked him in. 
I mean, it's not like the guy had anywhere to go. I mean, that's the other thing, too. And he's an older guy. I mean, to me, it's like, are you kidding me? What is he supposed to do? Wait till he's in a stretcher and then defend himself, Robert? Exactly. Well, these Soros-backed DAs will lead, are one of the many things that will lead to the regionalization of the Democratic Party, okay? Because it's way out of hand. It's way past the pale. And I'll leave it there, but when my buddy Stan calls back, could you thank him for me? Because he voted for all this. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll let him know. I will definitely remind him. Thank you, Robert. And let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Go ahead, Dom, real quick, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I think, Rita, the word is out that if you are a – don't stand your ground. You're going to lie there and die. That's the way that, – that, that, that's the you know message they're trying to promote. This guy ought to be – you know, the DA ought to be put away. I mean, like, I, I don't know who made him DA, but this guy deserves to be – the book to be thrown at him. Yeah, it is shocking. And sadly, he was elected. I mean, that's a sad thing, Dom, is that he ran – I remember during the debates, he talked about being lenient. I don't think anybody ever expected it to be this lenient. And I remember a lot of people saying, God help us if he gets elected. And sure enough, he did. And so anybody who voted for him, thank you, thank you, thank you. This guy should never be holding this kind of a position. We're going to continue with your calls. And we're also going to be talking about the case of the Highland Park shooter. The father has no regrets getting him a gun license. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story coming from Iowa. Friends and family and well-wishers will be saying goodbye in southwestern Iowa tomorrow to a true hero. Hugh Bell of Shenandoah was an Army Air Force pilot in World War II, and Governor Reynolds put out the word that the governor would like as many people as possible at the funeral of Hugh Bell to send a message to him and all veterans. What a beautiful message. He would never talk about his service. He let the photographs and the records speak for him, said Bell's nephew and last living relative, Roderick Henderson. Bell died on June 2nd, and he was 98 years old. And everybody across the state and many other messages all over social media saying, I am coming out for the funeral. I'm coming out to support Hugh Bell. And I hope that there is a huge, huge turnout honoring that great hero. Well, we are talking now about the case of the Highland Park shooter. And I just get more and more angry when I look at this. The writing was on the wall. This is in the case in and the Chicago suburb. Of course, the guy, the 21-year-old Robert Cremo III, who opens fire on a July 4th parade. He goes up the escape 
ladder goes into the, you know, the basically the rooftop area with his weaponry, opens fire indiscriminately on the crowd. And people around in his family were basically, oh, you know, he seemed like such a nice boy. And then you find out that police had been to the house multiple times. One time because he had threatened to kill himself. Another time because he threatened to kill everybody in the house. They took away a knife collection that was like 16, 17 different knives. And then we find out that just a few months later, his father, Robert Cremo, who was running for mayor at the same time, suddenly sponsors his mentally disturbed kid to be able to go get a gun. And then he's able to get several guns because the father vouched for him because he was under 21 and he had to be able to submit and basically vouch that this was a kid of integrity, that he was mature enough. You got a kid with mental issues and you're wondering why you would ever in a million years give him a gun? Are you kidding me? To me, this is so outrageous. And the father today, I couldn't believe this. He came out in an interview This is the first time he's done an interview since the shooting. And again, the son is responsible. The son did the act. But the father gave him the permission, basically signed over the firearms identification card for the son so he could go buy a gun. And the father doesn't regret these actions whatsoever. And then people were asking him, well, wait a minute. There are so many red flags in this case. Give me a break. There were police that went over to the house. You knew your son had mental issues. Now we're finding out that the son had this like blow up sex doll and was showing uh, signs that the doll was basically killing itself too um, and putting that online and then putting up violent images of different acts of violence. And he was in all these chat rooms talking about it. I want to know who are these other people in this chat room because that to me is unbelievable. Apparently the chat room owner said tonight that he is cooperating with law enforcement to go through information. I want to know who was on the other end while he was chatting all these months and years about violence. I mean, that to me is just insane in and of itself. But then we also find out that the son also did this weird drawing at the mother's house. She painted this thing of like a guy with a smiley face with a big armed gun uh, in a black uniform, like basically a very dark kind of macabre scene of somebody who's opening fire. I mean, it's just all these things where you say, wait a minute, this is clearly an issue. And now we're also getting word that when law enforcement showed up at his house, that he told law enforcement he was depressed, that he was on a lot of drugs, uh, like, uh, you know, pot and a whole bunch of other stuff, too. So there's drug issues here with the guy, too, as well. And law enforcement left the last encounter with him. According to Illinois State Police, they basically said the person was determined to pose a clear and present danger. There are reports that the person who actually made the call was the sister of the guy, that it was a relative who actually called up and said, he's about to kill everybody in the house. Please come on over. I'm scared to go home. Uh, I can't go home because of this. So, I mean, this is not a normal family life. And yet, if you listen to this guy, the father of the kid, he acts like, oh, it's no big deal. This is how he described that encounter with police that I just told you about, where police walked away saying, this guy's nuts. 
and we're taking away every weapon basically in the house. Take a listen to the way the father describes the encounter. Making threats to the family, it, I think it was taken out of context where it was like a, just a child outburst, whatever he was upset about. And I think I think the sister called the police and, you know, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't living there. So it's like, uh, you know, it sounds like it wasn't really a big deal, basically. Like it was basically like what every teenager goes through. Are you kidding me? You look at this guy's background. He's clearly nuts. And he also has facial tattoos. He was obsessed with the numbers four and seven. He opens fire on a parade on July 4th, 7-4. And he's got tattoos all over his face. He's got, you know, four, seven all over his car. He goes by the moniker... Awake four seven as this rapper on YouTube, this wannabe rapper, and you wonder why there may be a problem with giving your son the permission, basically the ID card that you sign off and vouch for him to get guns, and then he gets four or five different guns, including one of them that he uses to kill all these people. And then we're hearing he also was posting these rantings that were anti-Jewish you know, questioning the Holocaust, anti-Asian, anti-African-American. I mean, they're just, it sounds like he was just this horrible, hate-filled young man who was clearly on drugs, deeply disturbed, all these things. And just take a look at the guy. I mean, he clearly looks like he's got issues. And the father doesn't think there's anything wrong with signing off on the permission to get this kid guns. Uh, this to me is outrageous. Take a listen to what the father said today. No, do I regret that? Not, not, not three years ago signing a consent form to go through the process. It was, that's all it was, just so he can go through the process. They, they vet him then, you know, take his information, whatever. I, I don't know what the background check entails. I have no idea, but he was granted one. So this is incredible. The father who gets the application, says, oh, yeah, my son's great. He's mentally stable. Everything's perfect. He's a great guy. You know, um, he's mature enough to be able to handle uh, any kind of gun or whatever the case is, is now not blaming himself or anybody else. And he said there was no red flags, that he was a nice kid. Let me just tell you, from what I'm seeing about, it doesn't seem like there was anything nice about this kid. He was a very dark, troubled kid. And the parents clearly seemed to be in denial. And now this father is blaming the system for giving him the guns, not that he may have played any sort of role by giving him the ID card that he was able to use to get the guns. He's blaming the system, saying, well, the system gave him the guns, not me. I didn't physically go buy the guns. I'm not, I didn't do anything. I mean, this to me is just sheer insanity. And to think that you would give a son with any of these kind of troubles guns, is there anybody out there that thinks that that's a responsible parent? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Here is a little bit more of the father of the shooter in Illinois. Take a listen to him blaming the system and sounding so surprised that his son just suddenly snapped. I love my son, but... It's it's devastating to everyone involved, anyone who was who passed away, injured, psychologically damaged, hearing the gunfire of their little children. It's it's a horrific act, 
and would never want to see that happen again. That's why we need to do something about it. I think the, the whole system has to be overhauled. So I want to ask you tonight, do you think the father is to blame in any shape or form? He is clearly in denial as if there was no signs, there was no early warning signs. Guess what? If your kid is posting stuff about violence, if the police have to come out there because the kid is planning to kill everybody and threatening to in the house and then wanted to kill himself just a few months before, maybe you shouldn't allow him to have access to any sort of weapons, let alone a gun. I mean, to me, that shouldn't be some epiphany. And this is what Judge Janine has to say about all of that. His father is culpable. His father said, you know, he sponsored him in order for him to get a gun. In order for him to sign off for that kid to buy a gun under the age of 21, he had to answer questions about this kid's mental health. And everyone knew about this. You're living with the kid. He tried to commit suicide. He's a loner. He's isolated. You know the kind of music he's singing. You know the crazy stuff that he's that he's drawing. And that's without even looking at his social media. Yeah, and the social media is just dark and evil and violent. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry on line eight from Brooklyn. Larry, your thoughts about this? Yeah, hi. I decided to stand in for Stan because he couldn't deliver the goods tonight. Um, yeah, you know something? This father is definitely... And by the, by the way, Larry, Stan, Stan did call in, um, and it, and he wasn't on the line at the time, so I had to move on. There was some, So I'm going to defend Stan. There was some technical issue tonight, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this father, the way he sounded... He's 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 a phony. He's trying to shift the blame onto the system to to try to join the chorus of of, of Eric Adams to uh, indict the system because he's trying to deflect blame on himself. Look, a twenty-year-old who's crazy. He lives in Chicago. What what is it? What is it? Is he hunting grizzly bears? I could see if he lived in Montana. If if the father cannot show any specific purpose for that gun, like for example, if he was hunting or something like that. Then the father is definitely aiding and abetting because what else? Who if if, if somebody's crazy, who else is not going to know it? But the but the father, the father is right there. He would be the first to know. And we we ask we ask of politicians all the time. Uh, did he know? Should he have known? Uh, you know, he he should have known. Uh, did he know or should he have known? Okay. That's an academic question here. The father did know, okay, and it's easily provable. He should be prosecuted. If you could arrest a bodega owner, okay, for defending himself, you could certainly arrest a father for aiding abetting mass murder. And I just want to stick in one comment about that, about that bodega owner because I wanted to say something, okay? The police did not have to arrest him. The police become the fascist arm of the state in New York too often. They do not have to do the bidding of Alvin Bragg. They did not have to arrest this man. They make the determinations of self-defense on the scene by interviewing the witnesses. Let that be clear. The police yeah, are that's also... An, that's an interesting point. I mean, I by the way, I feel the same, I feel the same anger you do, Larry, about that case, because it is just outrageous. I, I do feel the police often do get the message from the DAs and others that they have to do the arrest. So, I mean, part of it is that, but you're right. Uh, there's a lot of factors here. And if you look at the video, because it is on videotape, it's not a he said, he said. It's like, wait, when you see it, you see the guy shoving him, blocking him in. You see him not allowing, threatening him. And then you can see that there's clearly an altercation. I mean, to me, 
uh, you've got the video evidence, and you're right. I agree. Shouldn't have been arrested, and Alvin Bragg, I don't think, should be in office. Uh, we'll continue with your calls, everybody. Let's go to April on line six. April, your thoughts? Yes, hi. You know, I'm thinking this situation with the father, they said the police were called before. Uh, you said something about the sister complaining. Yeah, mu- yeah multiple times. They were called apparently right. like once in April 2019 because the kid threatened to kill himself. And then another time in September 2019, so just a few months later, threatening apparently to kill everybody in the house. See, now I think the situation, the professionals in the police department should be have records of this. And I think what it is is the father is in denial. Maybe he was afraid or threatened by the son. If you don't let me get a gun, I'll kill you. I'll strangle you. And I think right now he's just trying to save face and say, no, nothing's wrong with him. Nothing's wrong with him. But I think the whole family probably was threatened and felt forced to give the son what he wanted or they would be victims themselves. So I blame the police department. Like when it comes to domestic violence, they don't blame the woman because she didn't call the police. They say she was afraid to call the police. So I think they should have known. The police department and the, whoever's in charge of, you know, taking care of safety should have said the family is frozen in fear. They're going to be in denial. But this person is showing all the signs of danger, danger, danger. And That's the family, a great point. Now, think- now let, me, let me bring up one other thing, April, because you bring up actually a really superb point. Um, that obviously, and, and they put that in the records, he was a clear and present danger, but it was something that didn't clearly go into the files because it wasn't an arrest. But the only problem with this is that neighbors and apparently a, a coach said that, oh, the two parents didn't seem very engaged with the son. They didn't seem to really care. They were sort of the last ones there. Um, you know, police were called a lot of times to the house. Um, so... It doesn't sound to me, and again, I don't know the parents, but it sounds to me that they were a little more aloof um, than scared. But you don't know what went on in the house. Um, But for him to kind of come out now and say, oh, there was no red flag, uh, there was no sign, I mean, that, that is a really hard thing to swallow. And then he acts like, well, I didn't do anything wrong by sponsoring the gun application. I wasn't the one who bought the guns. My son actually bought the guns. All I did was basically give him the green light to get into the system and vouch for him. And, you know, it, at, at some certain point, you're the adult. He's the kid. And, you know, I feel obviously sad for parents if they're in a situation where they do feel threatened by a child, and we don't know if that's the case. Um, but that's an interesting point. But at some point the greater protection of society has to stand and you can't be signing waivers and allowing the kid to get guns. And it wasn't just one gun. He had at least four or five guns. I mean, I mean, this is crazy. You can't open the door and have society in danger by a guy like this um, because you're afraid at some point you have to have him basically, you know, taken away or institutionalized or arrested, whatever it takes. You have to do the right thing, not just for the family, but for society too. You know, so I have I have a hard time feeling sorry for them when you see now what has happened. And as a result, um, you know, of them not maybe speaking out or other people not speaking out, too, because it looks like this guy was just a big old neon sign about violence and dark and had tattoos. I mean, just one look at him. And, and then you hear that he was on drugs and all these other things. 
Uh, I mean, this to me is sort of sadly a classic case. And if you look at the background on social media, some of the stuff he's saying, it's frightening, absolutely frightening. And if they were aware of it and didn't say anything to authorities, I mean, they knew authorities showed up at the house. You know, they had an opportunity there. And at some point, you got to say, this kid needs to be locked up because he is a menace, not just to us, but to society. And to now act like, oh, I had no idea. One look at the guy. The guy looks nuts. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the Highland Park shooter posting pictures of like a sex doll hanging, like committing suicide, uh, spouting just horrible racist posts all over social media. And then, of course, we know that police were out there several times because he planned to kill himself, according to reports, and also planned to kill his family. And yet the father, when he was asked today, do you regret signing off? on the ID card so his son could get guns. He's like, no, I don't regret it. You know, no big deal, basically. You know, uh, you know, my son is the one who got the guns. I just signed the ID card and vouched for him. I mean, what kind of a parent does that? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony in Florida. Tony, your thoughts about this. To me, this is, this is outrageous, this, this father, and it makes me wonder what else did they miss? Yeah, um, it's obvious he was born with a screw loose. And did it also include evil, or was it something his parents did or didn't do while he was being raised? And you said he was taking medication for his mental illness, correct? No, he said he was on drugs. Like when police showed up at his house on one of the incidents, he said he was depressed and on drugs. So it may have been, I think it was marijuana and some other things. We're not, I'm not sure if it was medication. Well, I had heard somewhere that he was, at least at one point in mind, taking uh, medication. I think maybe when he thought that he wanted to kill himself. I want to know why none of the mental health people caught the evilness in him. Yeah, that's, uh, Tony, great points. Thank you very much for the call, but those are great points. Um, and who knows how much sort of mental health counseling he got. I mean, it sounds like the father made it sound like, oh, well, those threats were taken out of context um, when they showed up at the house and he was threatening to kill everybody, according to police. I mean, sounds like the father is like, well, it was no big deal. It was just sort of a teenager. Guess what? That's not normal. So who knows exactly how much he got in terms of counseling and help? We have no idea. We don't know. Uh, Stan, let's go to you real quick. I understand you're here. Line seven. Go ahead, Stan. What did you say? I heard you say overall protection of society. Are you kidding with with that comment? There are 300 million guns out, and there are lunatics. Not that Yeah, but but uh, Stan, if you're a family member. No, no, no. You hold on, Stan. If you're a family member and you know your child is nuts, and he is threatening to kill you and to kill others. You. The least thing you got to do is report it. I agree with you. I agree with you. But everybody failed here. The father's no good. The police screwed up royally. And the system gave him the gun anyway. There's the problem. The gun, the gun, the gun. The system failed, Rita. The system. Again, the police were there. He had him. 
It failed, Rita. We got no, I, and listen, that. Stan, Stan, I hear you, my friend. I do agree the system failed, but parents also need to speak up because apparently when they showed up at the house, they were like, well, it's not a big deal, and the father got the knives back. And then a couple months later, we're not talking decades later, a couple months later, after police show up because apparently he's planning to kill the whole family, the father signs off and says, oh, yeah, he's mentally stable, he's fine, he's this, he's that. He deserves to have a gun. I mean, you know, any sort of weapon to somebody like that is an unbelievable thing. I think we all agree that mentally unstable people should never have any sort of weapon, whether it's a gun or a knife or anything. And boy, did a lot of people drop the ball on this case. I agree with you on that one, my friend. And boy, is it a sad testament to bad parenting.